0: Do we like movies? I'm your host, Angel. And I'm your
1: communist host, Ali, And oh, I laugh at your decadent super soldier ways.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: I've been told my Russian accent just becomes uh, what's her name from Glow? <laughs> Alison yeah. Bree. It's pretty bad. Shut up. I never <laughs> do any voices. No wonder people like hearing me talk.
0: <laughs> uh and this week we're talking about captain america the winter soldier this movie is from 2014 and it is i think one of the first well it, it, it came in that wave of sequels that happened after the original avengers movie i think we put i think much like when we get into fast and furious or we do these things where we jump in the middle of a franchise I think we should probably provide background for what was happening at this time in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And also maybe just comic book movies in general. Uh, I mean, this one's kind of hard because this one's not just a sequel
1: to Captain America The First Avenger, which if you haven't seen it, you're not really missing much. No. Just know that it's really, all it is, is it's a, you know, PG-13 version of a, you know, what's it called? A Skeleton Crew movie. But it's mostly just to give you uh Captain American's big dumb goofy uh, big dumb goofy uh origin story. But the, I guess like the big thing to take away in this film, like where it takes place as far as like the rest of the Marvel continuity. Um so this happens what, after the Dark World, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm because like the the Marvel Cinematic Universe is super weird, where it's like Captain America takes place first the the first Avenger takes place back in the forties, then in the nineties it's uh Captain Marvel, and then like the middle of the two thousands when Iron Man takes place and then um so there's a couple years between like superhuman incidents in the Marvel Universe, and then all of a sudden in a two week period, there is like iron man thor incredible hulk all take place mm-hmm. so it's like at this point all these superheroes are finally like you know they're they're finally coming together uh then we get the avengers the giant team up and then so this film is in that next phase of marvel movies that it's like the avengers have finally teamed up they've uh new york has been a, almost like Leveled by uh by the Chitauri attack and Loki trying to take over, and uh, so here it's essentially the U.S. Shield and the Avengers trying to uh play damage control from there.
0: Given the fact that this is such a Shield or such a Nick Fury centric movie, it doesn't feel too dissimilar from (laughs) when we did the Spider Man Far From Home, uh, movie last year, right? It was another very like Nick Fury centered film, uh, where SHIELD is basically making Spider-Man carry out missions. And I think what I like about this movie and, and I, I'm I think part of what I was thinking of when we when we suggested watching this movie for the podcast, I always thought of Captain America as kind of like and this is it's I don't think it's correct by any standard. It's just you Know being someone who's grew up on DC, I can't help it. Captain America is like to me when I see him, I was like, Oh, yeah, it's well, it's like Marvel Superman, right? I 100% agree. When
1: you think Marvel's like, you know, Boy Scout, like, especially it helps that they have very similar like color schemes, right? It's mm-hmm. really hard not to like make that juxtaposition, but I 100% agree with Like, it's that <laughs> feeling that it's like, Oh, no, like you associate DC with uh dc's boy scout with superman the same thing with marvel you associate that with captain america
0: and i think because of that like i i have this thing where if you're gonna make that hero you need to have someone who's like and i will say it christopher reeve right like i think what is what you do need in a superman character i feel like it's different right you don't need like the Robert Pattinson, Christian Bale, I'm going to be a full-on method actor for a year and like <laughs> to try to play this like superhero. Like I think the role of Superman or Captain America is equal parts just be a good enough actor and also just look the part, right?
1: I was about to say it's a big reason why uh what's his name? uh Henry Cavill was such a good Superman.
0: Well, the funny thing is I think Henry Cavill is an okay Superman. I one of the things i kind of figured out while watching this movie is i think chris evans is a much better captain america than henry cavill is a superman (laughs) this is a very
1: weird comparison i I know it it is
0: it's bizarre but i i think if we're looking at like let's say all right your boy scout hero is going to be the christopher reeve like superman ideal there's a level of like there's like a goofball factor there's like, a hamminess that you have to bring to the table right and i feel like i feel like it doesn't i never get it in the man of steel and batman v superman like right you know like well it's that's just...
1: not fair because man <laughs> of steel was too busy trying to present superman as alien jesus so
0: right that's well that's not a... <laughs> i feel like that's the problem right like i mean and and we'll see what Zack snyder's like justice league is gonna do with superman but You know, let's be like to me. This is it, right? It's two years after the original Avengers movie, and they did something that no one would have ever thought in a film before. You take all these different superheroes, you created this giant sprawling universe, and essentially made like television series out of movies, right? Mm -hmm. And last year, you know, we did we did Avengers Endgame, and I, you know, talked about like (laughs) I think a lot of people in year one of the show probably think I absolutely hate marvel what, would possibly,
1: what could possibly give them that
0: impression <laughs> was it that you said several times that you hate marvel i think i think i was just tired of all the hype right and i think now that we've passed Endgame game and we've had time to settle in you know and and not had to worry about a new marvel movie like every six months or four months Uh, and people just overselling how they are because I think for as good as a lot of the movies in Marvel are there's a ton of movies that are just middle of the pack right Mm -hmm. and I think one of the things I appreciated about this movie and I'll say it now is I really think that I think this is just as good as 2008's Iron Man and I don't know if there's another movie like standalone Marvel hero movie maybe well actually let's say i'd say the three that kind of stand alone to me right now are iron man uh this movie and black panther right for for different reasons mm-hmm. um i think this movie like I, I really appreciate the fact that movies are kind of that you know when a comic book movie takes the era that it's in and kind of creates a fantastical story and builds its characters around it, right? One of the things that this movie is going to deal with a lot, and I think this is what I'm saying when, when I feel like I think this movie does what none of the Superman movies ever are able to do outside of that original Richard Donner one, is when you have a hero that's you know stands for truth, justice, and the American way, right? <laughs> you know, that kind of deal. I was very impressed and surprised by how radical Captain America is. You know, like, he comes from the greatest generation. He's essentially a World War II veteran. He seems to be someone who, you know, it just doesn't like living in the cynical, modern, militarized, like, you know, world that we're living in now. You mean how he's a cuck SJW? <laughs> I I guess. (laughs) Well, you know
1: what's funny is First Avenger actually super explains why Captain America is the way he is, and the reason for that, like the reason why he's so like, I refuse to be cynical, and he's so idealistic, and he's all about doing the right thing, is because Abraham Erskine tells him in the first movie. That the uh, that the super soldier serum, what it does is it's going to give you like it's going to give him powers, yeah, like it's going to make him like the peak of human uh, conditioning. But the reason why he picked Steve was because he wanted he wanted someone that already exhibited good traits because the the super soldier serum will make good people better and bad people worse, and that Mm -hmm. was part of the reason why he didn't want uh, the Red Skull to get it uh and then he ends up getting it and that's how he becomes the red skull so they have to find somebody that is you know i guess pure of heart kind of like steve rogers and they had to turn him into captain america to become this foil for red uh red skull um just a heads up i was a huge captain america fan in high school <laughs> like i freaking loved captain america the the and this uh this film draws heavily from uh, the Ed Brubaker run of Captain America, which was very much a big like espionage story and specifically his uh, winter soldier arc. So I'm also going to be talking about this movie with a lot of rose colored glasses. I'm just putting it out there, but yeah, like I a hundred percent agree. Like it's really interesting to see a character that doesn't have to be brooding and dark and grim and gritty. He is like, like you said, be the Boy Scout hammy character, like, and that's what he is, and that's kind of what I appreciate about Cap in these movies is he never compromises that throughout the entirety of the DC, DC. <laughs> Marvel like cinematic universe.
0: Right. So I guess we should could go ahead and get into this movie, right? Uh, so the the movie just kicks off with <clears throat> Steve Rogers like running you know near the washington monument in dc and uh that's where he runs
1: just a heads up don't watch this movie if you feel bad for yourself being out of shape because
0: a lot (laughs) of this movie is two hours of chris evans being super in shape just a heads up well everyone being in shape anthony mackie and uh uh what's what's her face did you
1: forget her name
0: <laughs> you mean scarlett johansson yeah that's right I was about to say black widow <laughs> so disrespectful but just, you know like all these people with the exception of like sam jackson are just like look like they did like crunches like before every scene um but what i do appreciate about this is uh you get this conversation that takes place between steve Rogers and. Uh, Anthony Mackie's character, the Falcon. What's you his mean, real name? Sam Wilson. There we go. You were like, I can do this movie off the top of my head. I don't need preparation. <laughs> I can't. Well, he's Falcon to me, right? Like same thing. Falcon, Black Widow, and Captain America. There we go. Blah blah. Like that's that's all. <laughs>
1: but anyway, like you're saying, a lot of the like the beginning is really cool because it's a, a lot of uh, character building, right? Like we've mm-hmm. never met Sam Wilson before. Uh, right off the bat, he's introduced um, as just a guy trying to keep pace with Steve Rogers, never actually able to, ever to catch him. Um, but you know, both being combat vets and both going through hard times, uh, they immediately develop this relationship or this kinship. Uh, you know, and struggling with their PTSD.
0: Yeah, and you know, like this, what this scene made me think about, and I can't, I, it just did. Right. It made me think about, uh, you know, a few years ago, probably like four or five years ago, I think the year my wife and I got married, we went out to dinner at, I think it was like an Applebee's or something on Veterans Day. And I didn't, it was, it was a day off for me, right? Like I wasn't thinking about like the holiday that it was and all that stuff. But they happened to be doing like some special where veterans like ate free or some deal like that, right? And we are sitting down having dinner and I noticed at a table across from me and I just could hear it, uh, you know, on the side of my, of, uh, you know, on the side uh, you had one gentleman who was a Vietnam veteran sitting next to an older gentleman who was Korean war. Right. You know, mm-hmm. and um, they had never met before, but they just, but because they were wearing their uniforms, like they sat next to each other and they just started having a conversation like. And it's just, it, it. that's what this reminds me of. This is just reminds me of that, like, moment that I remember. And it's just like, yeah, the guys who have been in war, like, have a lot in common. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things that, you know, is important to note is that, you know, they, obviously, they're probably dealing with a host of psychological and emotional problems that come because of that. <laughs>
1: yeah. And, you know, th- those are... You know, you it's, a lot, it's really hard for folks to open up after that. So, um, especially for, say, take Steve Rogers in the sense, who not only is dealing with, like, all the crazy shit that happened while he was fighting World War II, but everything that happened after, including being frozen and then being literally a man out of time. Mm -hmm. So it's, um, you know, it's nice to see that he's still, that he, you know, out of all these characters, it feels like everyone has somebody, right? Like Tony Rogers, uh, Tony Rogers, (laughs) Tony (laughs) (laughs) Stark. Oh my god! And you might have to scrap this whole episode with all the mistakes we're making. <laughs> Tony Stark has pepper pots. Um, I never saw Thor, believe it or not, like fully, so I don't. I don't remember Natalie Portman's name, but Na- you know, Thor has Natalie Portman. Um, <laughs> but if it, with Captain America, it's different because he, because of his character being the super soldier, everyone feels like they're just trying to use him. So it's like he doesn't really have anybody he can trust fully, right? Because the the whole movie he's keeping Nick Fury at arms length because he never fully trusts him. And and you know, that's what this film's kind of about, is him trying to find that that person, that that brother he's been missing um we also get uh, i it never gets brought back and i'm furious but we get cap's list of things that he needs to catch up on in the last like 60
0: years (laughs) well one one does come up again right because uh when i mean i mean in
1: the i mean in the overall mcu not just this movie sure (laughs) yeah
0: well there 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 is there is one thing here that is mentioned here that that will that will eventually come to fruition in endgame right what what is that actually no it was from first avenger actually i'm tripping right before (laughs) cap is frozen and he talks about how he's gonna have one more dance with his girl Uh, oh yeah 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 yeah. so that that is that is something that will eventually come back but yeah again i feel like avengers didn't really deal with it like it kind of dealt with it as a joke right like the fact that captain America's a man out of time And I think this movie, it's pretty crazy, right? Like the guys who did, who directed this movie are the guys who are going to end up directing Civil War, uh, you know, Infinity War, Endgame. Like they're going to be like the Marvel guys going forward. And this is their first time working at the Russo brothers. And they were coming off of like the work that they did like on Community, right? (laughs) That's (laughs) wild that these, I didn't know they were, one, I didn't know they worked on Community. Two, I didn't know this
1: was the first movie that they were working on in the MCU.
0: Yeah, this is their intro. This is their introduction in the MCU. Uh, Damn, way it- to hit
1: it out of the park from the beginning.
0: <laughs> yeah, no kidding, because I mean, because we did. Joss Whedon would come back to do Avengers Two after that, and <laughs> oh, I'm it, is, sorry, it is. Did I do
1: that out loud?
0: <laughs> it is the most forgettable thing. Uh, I don't want to slander Joss Whedon too much because Avengers Avengers 1 is really good. Avengers Uh. 1 is really good and his version of Justice League, I don't put too much of that on him. I feel like that is a movie that the studio essentially said, let's get Zack Snyder out of here. Let's get the Avengers guy. To make this more of a Marvel movie, and it ends up being a complete utter disaster, right? (laughs) So I'm
1: gonna still slander him, but that's because I also put it. I have a lot of Joss Whedon books that I got out of uh, following Firefly and
0: Serenity for so goddamn. All right, well maybe just I mean I like Buffy, and uh, I, I what's unfortunate to me is the fact that. Justice League got so far fucked up that like Joss Whedon's bad girl movie is just like never going to happen at this point. (laughs) Yeah, unfortunately. (laughs) So, but anyway, it's like, these guys are, these guys are really good. And surprisingly, given that these, to me, you know, I think of these guys as being comedy guys. uh, It, this movie feels a lot more serious than a lot of the stuff that was in Avengers. And it deals with it in a way that's just, it, it does, it accomplishes two things. It makes Captain America like it It, it reminds you Captain America's a man out of time. It gives you a reason to, to like, you know, kind of get the impression that he and Sam are going to form a bond and partnership from here. Because we're not going to see him again for a while after this, after this scene was oh, yeah. picked up by Romanoff. <laughs> he disappears for the middle third of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I do appreciate the fact that he, he tells him to listen to Trouble Man by Marvin Gaye, which. When I hear that song, I think of this movie and uh, Four Brothers.
1: <laughs> I want to go back and watch Four Brothers now. <laughs>
0: um, so, but anyway, yeah, once we um, get through this scene, we get our first S.H.I.E.L.D. mission, right?
1: Well, here's where it gets weird because apparently S.H.I.E.L.D. has a team within S.H.I.E.L.D. called Strike. Yes. Don't ask me what Strike stands for. <laughs> essentially, they're like they're like Task Force 141 if you ever played... Uh uh modern warfare too but yeah so they're just like a counter-terrorism
0: group strike and- stands for special tactical reserve international key emergencies what is it with these tactical dudes and <laughs> their fucking stupid ass acronyms apparently it's the united kingdom's uh counterpart to shield oh so it's a british shield it's essentially mi6 Boy. if we're talking oh. if we're talking about shield and uh and and strike in terms of like actual agencies, and we're talking CIA versus MI6. Oi, governor, <laughs> is you ready to take out some terrorists? Oh, Fancy is... a point of Guinness after this. I'm gonna get so fired if my British boss ever listens to the show. Chip chim God <laughs> save the queen and whatnot. Sorry. I don't know what I don't know what that became
1: after. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so yeah, Captain America leads uh, leads strike uh, leads the strike team along with Black Widow to overtake a shield uh, naval ship that is essentially just going around the world spying on people, collecting data. And there's a who was the guy that was on board that they were trying to save? Was it the was it Alex Pierce?
0: Sure. Yeah, I I can't quite remember who the person that they were saving was. Yeah, it looks like it it was Alexander Pierce, correct?
1: Yeah, it was some politician, dude. No, it was Pierce,
0: yeah, because Pierce is, yeah, Yeah, Robert Redford.
1: So, uh, Captain America leads this strike team, and they immediately, you know, it's just an awesome balls-to-the-wall action scene that gets topped off with uh, Captain America fighting fucking GSP, who plays Georges Batroc, who is just... He's one of those throwaway villains, like one of the fucking 7,000 that MC, the, the, or that Marvel has that, you know, they just get name dropped in the MCU and never actually expanded on. But yeah, we get this cool fight scene uh, between Batroc and uh, Captain America where he eggs him on right i love that scene where he like eggs him on he goes so uh so are you just a man with a shield or something like that and he says in french to and then captain america responds well, well let's see and he takes off his um he takes off his mask puts the shield down and then responds in french i was like oh my god this is awesome mm-hmm. and then they get in a really quick fight where as you can imagine like gsp gets bodied by captain
0: america yes
1: but what we immediately find out was that uh, Nick Fury being a sneaky snake he is He actually sent Black Widow to back up the drives And uh, gather the information that was being uh, Housed on this ship, right? And they end up I believe they end up escaping And saving the hostages on the ship Um, But while they're unable to decrypt uh, oh, that's what it was. Yeah, Nick Fury is unable to decrypt the actual information that was recovered, which start making him, starts making him super um, paranoid and, mm-hmm. and suspicious of what's going on in S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, meanwhile, it, Alexander Pierce, like you were saying, is uh, played by Robert Redford. Super surprising casting when I first watched this film. I never expected to see Robert Redford in a comic book movie.
0: No kidding. Uh, it's that was, funny that was, enough. Funny enough, like I, I didn't even remember he was in this when I watched it this for, for this show. <laughs>
1: it's so crazy. I remember when I first saw it, I was like, what the hell is Robert Redford doing in this? Yeah. And like, not that I was mad, because I actually really like him. Like No, but- it's just
0: Marvel has a habit or, or like a knack for casting like these really you know, obscure but also very famous, like older actors. You know, like when you see Michael Douglas and Ant Man and stuff like that. Like <laughs> until you see him digitally deaged, then you're like, no, please. <laughs> this is before the period of time when they were like digitally deaging people. <laughs> Everybody. <laughs> so we were forced to look at older, you know, uh, <laughs> handsome Robert
1: Redford. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so after that. Um, on his well, on his way to try to rendezvous with Maria Hill, who if you know, people that love uh uh what's it called? How I Met Your Mother will recognize that that's Robin. I don't know what her actual like the like the actress's name is. And honestly, I don't know why people like How I Met Your Mother, but that's neither <laughs> here nor there right
0: now. <laughs> yeah, Maria Hill, I only know her from this movie and Far From Home, which she was yeah. like Fury's assistant in that one too.
1: Yeah. So Fury ends up getting ambushed by what looks like to be a weird terror cell that is uh being or that is impersonating uh DCPD.
0: What an awesome fucking scene, by the way.
1: I but it was like shades of mission impossible. I fucking loved it. It
0: was literally the moment it was the first moment in this movie where I was like, Look, I I don't make any bones about it where I think that Dark Knight is like my favorite comic book movie of all time i think this is Uh, as good this is as good as anything in dark knight in terms of just like chase scenes or escape scene or something like that it is just action yeah yeah, like it was incredible it's so good because it is so far removed from like some of the nuts like cgi battles that you see in you know some of the other avengers movies right like it's well, it's hitting a- my sweet spot because it lo- it feels a lot more like a like again like a dark night or a heat action scene than or or like something out of James Bond than it does you know something out of Iron Man.
1: I'm telling you, it was a total like it gave me Mission Impossible vibes. Like it was it was one of those things where it's like we're so used to seeing these big CGI characters just punching each other and like. Essentially, just be giant action figures at one point, or at some point, you know, uh, that you forget that like those early MCU movies that like what they're able to do with a lot of practical effects and how much work actually went into them, right? Like it is awesome to see, like the the part where the, he he starts blasting everybody with the uh, with the turret gun that comes out from the middle of the console, and Nick Fury just starts mowing down bad guys and just like leads off into this um into this car chase all while like driving with a broken arm you're just like one rashes it up the intendance uh or what's it called intensity and gives the like gives the scene immediate stakes because you're like damn dude fury's getting fucked up in this fight <laughs> And then, like, yeah, just a lot of craziness, like, zero regard for human, like, collateral damage or anything. Like, it was just an awesome, like, chase scene.
0: No, and we'll talk about it maybe as we get further into the movie. But, you know, like, this is something that feels like something like a conspiracy movie or something where the government is not acting in, in, in the best interest of people is one of those things that... uh I feel like we were ready to confront a lot more in 2014, you know? So it's like, it does feel like it's a movie coming at the right time. And the reason why I say that is, you know, even someone who loves Dark Knight, if you watch Dark Knight, one of the sticking points about it, if you really are going to look at it as a political movie, right? Mm-hmm. Is in Dark Knight, we're essentially, <laughs> we're essentially asked to think that the guy who passes the Patriot Act is the hero, right? Right. Like the guy who does the the, literally the guy who does the more, the most like unethical thing, but he does it in the name of saving, you know, saving the city or doing something in the greater good. They end up, you know, corrupting everyone around them. And this movie does a much better job of like actually looking at the ethics of what superheroes should be doing. Mm -hmm. And, um, and just the fact that you're looking at this crazy militarized police, that are attacking everyday civilians <laughs> that you know that are attacking everyday civilians as collateral damage for the guy that they're actually trying to attack. Like we live in this world now where <laughs> where we cannot trust authority uh you know any Bitch, more I than...
1: wish. I wish I had one of those cool like fucking <laughs> flight suits. I wish that was real. <laughs> but what's really funny like it's funny that you mentioned that because I was really thinking about that going into this episode. I was like, man I'm like 2014 I was trying to remember what was going on well like what was a big in the news right And I remember in 2014 like the big talk was about President Obama using drone strikes right And like using drone strikes and that being like and how he was probably one of the the, the most like in that sense Um, You know he 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 drone strike the shit out of our enemies like let's no, make no bones about it right so I just thought it was interesting that the plot in this is just like the helicarriers are just fucking like 3 billion drones all in one. <laughs> and it's like, that's the big thing we were afraid of is like something just being able to take us out at a moment's notice. And that, you know, and that's pretty much what like this, the the, the big, the big MacGuffin leads us to, right?
0: Yeah. Well, what happened, I think around the same time as well, were the riots in Ferguson too, right? which was at least the first time I can remember in my adult life where I had to see where I saw like the national guard, like in the streets of an American city, like trying to quote unquote restore order and everything. Right. Like it is, it it, it, it was a time where I feel like where we're at now, like we're a lot more cynical and a lot less trustful of authority. Like, again, we really are like, I think what I appreciate about Captain America and what I appreciate about the people in this movie is that unlike even the characters in Dark Knight, these people aren't willing to sacrifice their morality, you know, for, <laughs> for uh authority, right? Or or mm-hmm. for or for the military might.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I think uh, Arnim Zola, he makes a really good speech about it later on, right? Um, but kind of like go, going more with the, uh, just kind of hitting some of the major story beats. Um, so eventually, uh, Nick Fury escapes from uh, the Winter Soldier who ends up uh, attacking him. First, right off the bat, you you see the Winter Soldier, right? What are your first thoughts when when you first saw him? Try to remember when you first saw this movie. What were your first thoughts seeing him? Um,
0: I was like, wow, this movie's called The Winter Soldier, and we're seeing this guy, like, barely at all <laughs> in the movie. <laughs> yeah, because he appears, what, maybe a half hour in? The movie is literally named after him, and he's not in it very much. Mm-hmm. Now Mm-hmm. I know, when I first saw him, unlike you,
1: who, you know, had the more realistic thing, I was just like wow he looks really cool (laughs) it was everything i want the winter soldier to look like yeah he's got his mask he has the big stupid robot arm with the big red star on it yeah that's all i wanted
0: (laughs) yeah the only thing i knew about bucky barnes before i watched this movie was when i was growing up uh, the first time i had ever seen anything with captain america my dad bought me these like videotapes that were like it was just like a collection of episodes of this old captain america cartoon right i don't know if it's mm-hmm. from like the 60s or 50s or something like that but it looked like those spider-man cartoons where like the characters barely move at all <laughs> right
1: <laughs> yeah. and
0: um and i just remember like bucky barnes being the only name that i remembered out of like you know, Captain America's like crew in it, but I never saw Winter Soldier or I didn't even realize that he was like a villain at any point. I always assumed he was just like, the, I assumed he became like Captain America's sidekick. Who, <laughs> oh, and then the Winter Soldier would be his sidekick or that Bucky? Well, Bucky. Was sidekick.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, and it's really cool in the whole Ed Brubaker run, if you ever get a chance to read it um the in his winter soldier run they, like one of the big uh, story beats that he goes into that i thought this movie was going to go into a little bit was about how bucky um was he was he was supposed to be younger than steve but he was the guy that did like all the dirty work while steve uh was the you know like the big thing they would say is that um while buck while cap was the one that wore the flag um bucky was the one that uh fought the war and he, a lot of times he was the one that would go on assassination missions and he would do like the dirty, the really dirty stuff that people didn't want to think Captain America was doing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so it was, so that's like a big thing in their relationship in the comic book that I thought the movie was going to touch on. And it kind of does yeah. not really, not nearly as much as I would have liked, you know, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, moving forward. So uh, Captain America ends up coming back to his apartment and he finds a seriously messed up Nick Fury waiting for him. Um, and he informs him that, that the room is bugged to trust nobody and that S.H.I.E.L.D.'s been compromised. Uh, meanwhile, you know, Steve still is, has, no, um, has no trust for, for Nick Fury. He wants to keep him at arm's length. But he knows something, something bad is happening. So he knows he needs to get involved. Mm-hmm. suddenly nick fury's chest explodes into three shots <laughs> and um you know his uh captain america's like cute neighbor from across the way is actually revealed to be sharon carter i think they just call her sharon in this um but it turns out that she was actually a shield agent uh implanted by uh, nick fury to kind of like keep an eye on uh captain America. she's
0: a descendant of peggy carter right yes so
1: it's the weird thing where it's like if i'm not banging you know <laughs> peggy i'm gonna be banging her granddaughter <laughs> it's so weird
0: yeah it's it weird because you do see him talk to peggy carter in this mm-hmm. and uh you know it's obviously what you find out when you see his video at the smithsonian is that you know she talks about how how after she met steve and and she met her husband and stuff and she's obviously had a life like after that and i think it is kind of tragic when you look at the fact that she basically got to live a whole life and uh steve is someone who you know you're not you're not sure if he'll ever like get the opportunity to do that Mm -hmm. i'd say that remembering this movie i it's one of the things i kind of liked about it and the fact that they decide to cheat uh you know at the end of Endgame, I'm mm-hmm. actually a little less crazy about the ending of that movie. I'm not saying I hate it. I'm just saying it's it it kind of takes away from the I don't know. It takes away from the reality of this of of the moment that he has with Peggy in this.
1: It's like in Dark Knight <laughs> Rises when fucking Alfred sees Bruce and when they're in Monaco or some shit, you know? Yeah, like, <laughs> it, it's it's it's, it's stupid, but it's like. It's still the feel good ending you kind of want. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's true. That's true. And it, it's you know, really and dumb. and I'll say, and I'll say, gosh, Dark Knight Rises is it's the worst of the three Batman movies that Chris Nolan made. So I will. <laughs> I, I, I yeah. Uh, You're like I'm not defending that. Yeah, I'm not gonna defend that either. <laughs> no, but but
1: but you know what I'm saying? Like it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, I get it. it. Makes zero sense, but you want to send your audience off. It's putting
0: the bow. Yeah, it's putting yeah. the ball on the story. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna bitch about it too much. Uh, I will say I it
1: worked better in Endgame than it did in Dark Knight Rises.
0: <laughs> You're probably right.
1: <laughs> and I mean, and the only reason it worked better in Endgame was because stupid magic where they're like, I go into different dimensions. You know what? Don't even get me started about how much I hate the, 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 how, how much Endgame fucks the timeline.
0: <laughs> yeah, but you know what? I feel like that in Endgame makes way more sense in that universe. Than that fucking scene in Dark Knight Rises. <laughs> oh, that totally. Scene, it makes totally, no totally. fucking like. I'm not, and I'm not gonna get into a thing about this. So whatever. I'm we're, going we're, to. No, I'm we'll review it. <laughs> we'll we'll review that 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 movie one day. I'm sure.
1: Well yeah, we'll eventually get to it.
0: <laughs> anyway, so the we get this awesome another chase scene. <laughs> this movie's balls to the wall action again. <laughs> this movie has awesome chase scenes. It feels like the Craig like uh, Bond movies to me. I know. If, if instead of parkour,
1: it's just Steve Rogers smashing his way
0: through apartments. <laughs> well, yeah, he's like a brute, right? Like, much like, especially, gosh, some of the scenes in Casino Royale is what I think about more than anything. It's just like where where it wasn't really like Bond fighting or it wasn't anything that looked particularly slick. Like, he really just looked like a brute that just like burst just, through like, walls. <laughs> <laughs> like, he literally <laughs> burst through like sheetrock walls and then.
1: <laughs> Do, and then, like,. I mean, you don't see it in this movie, but I remember, if I remember correctly, in Casino Royale, like you see someone eat shit hard. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but anyway, so um, Steve Rogers ends up chained. He chases uh, Winter Soldier down. He ends up throwing the uh, throwing the shield uh, right at him. Winter Soldier catches it with his robot arm and actually is able to throw it back. And I think he disappears, um, leaving Steve Rogers there, kind of like, who the fuck is this guy, right? Right. Uh, from then, from then after that, uh, Fury is rushed to the hospital where they're, you know, they're performing surgery on him, trying to save his life, and in front of Maria, Black Widow, and Captain America, he's declared dead. Mm-hmm. So. yeah it's just like holy shit what it you know right off the bat this movie's throwing a lot of shit at you in like the first half hour or so you just like don't know where to go where it's going from here right
0: you know i'll say this obviously because i know that fury is going to come back in later movies so it it, it, to me this kind of felt at least like watching it now it felt like a kind of (laughs) we're we're gonna talk so much dark night here that like marvel fans are gonna fucking hate me (laughs) <laughs> but it just reminds me of like the Gordon like haha I'm not really dead scene <laughs> surprise bitch I, re- I really wish it was an LMD the, the life
1: model decoy <laughs> like I really wanted it to be a really big stupid robot clone <laughs> like i'm like that's the thing about the marvel like early marvel cinematic universe is they really want to be they want to be realistic enough that you feel comfortable in this world but like fantastic enough that you have fun and i'm like no sometimes i want you to go full balls to the wall with the stupid shit like i want the shield flying cars how come i never got that
0: i like the explanation though i mean the explanation that we'll eventually get from nick fury is that he took something that bruce banner made right uh, which was apparently meant to like slow your heart rate down to a crawl, and he originally created it for himself because he didn't want to be the Hulk all the time, and you know it ends up it ends up having other uses for it, <laughs> which yeah. you know that's what happens with real pharmaceuticals, right? So <laughs> yeah,
1: that's pretty much where a lot of our like greatest uh, also weapons findings and <laughs> have been militarized <laughs> and used was because of pharmaceuticals, but that's neither here nor there right now. <laughs> so yeah uh, so uh natasha and steve they they at this point they know shield is compromised and they can't go uh they can't go along with anything that that they they don't they don't know who they can trust right except for each other
0: right and, 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 and even before then like there's a period of time in this movie where steve is not really even sure that he can trust natasha right like he really Mm -hmm. like Nick Fury really said like you cannot trust anyone and he goes and he talks to Robert Redford like you know after Nick Fury has died like and after the scene has happened and uh he you know he he's suspicious of everything that's happening uh and so he's not sure
1: right I'm I'm forgetting about the best part in the fucking movie (laughs) which is the elevator fight scene
0: well yeah but before we really get there it it really is yeah again like there is like a shaky time uh, between him and and Natasha and funny enough like I I remember seeing Black Widow introduced in Iron Man 2 I remember seeing her in Avengers and stuff like I and and I watched we watched Endgame last year and I remember talking about how I wasn't really particularly impressed with like the subplot with her and Hawkeye at all Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I was just like, I was like, I'm not really crazy about this. Like, why do people really care? <laughs> and I think it's really the best this character has ever been in this series is in this movie with Steve. Like, I think the rapport and friendship that her and Steve have is one of the things that i enjoy the most about this movie
1: and i'm really glad they didn't do the obvious thing which was trying to make them like you know touch butts which i'm you know like that would have been the too obvious thing and then you have black widow become full-on bond girl and it's like no you still respect her enough as a character to keep her you know keep the distance
0: and in fact because then like later like her and bruce banner have a thing going on too like it's it's really weird (laughs) it's it it, like it really does feel like they're setting them up for a romantic relationship at first but i feel like once they like settle in to the fact that yes we are friends like Mm -hmm. that that works but i think and i think even in the moments where like obviously they kiss in this movie too but even in those moments it 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 feels very i don't know it feels fun it feels (laughs) she she feels like a work wife to him more than anything (laughs) I
1: half expected when they when she kisses him in the uh, in the mall scene, I kind of expected Captain America to just be like, "Ew, (laughs) cutie." Oh yeah, but so we, you know, as the as movie progresses, we learn that um, Alexander Pierce has a lot more of a active role in Shield after um, after uh, Nick Fury's death. Mm-hmm. And the you know the big MacGuffin was trying to find uh was was trying to find information on this thing called Project Insight, right? Right, and, and so, I think
0: before the other thing that we should kind of like note at uh, well, this is Pearson, Pierce Pearson, Pierce Nick Fury have a history together in this movie. Oh yeah, they're uh, friendos. Yeah, where I guess you know there was a time when Nick Fury kind of did something super off the books to save him I guess you know Mm -hmm. so it's like you know it's I feel like Nick Fury it kind of makes me laugh because I feel like Steve Rogers is really indignant to how Nick Fury like acts and what actions he takes in this movie and in my opinion like I feel like he's always been like that Like Mm -hmm. he's always been the here's like two or three different objectives for the very same mission. Like Mm -hmm. he doesn't feel like someone who's particularly sentimental and is waiting for you to do something. Like
1: oh no, he's like Amanda Waller. Like that's
0: exactly what I was about to say. Look, I was like obviously again. (laughs) Sorry, Marvel fans. Like if I'm getting (laughs) we relate it to what we know. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Like especially like Sam Jackson's Nick Fury. Right. Like it it feels so Amanda Waller to me. Like someone who will sell, but, but but funny enough, like I think that Nick Fury is still more. There, there's something more endearing about him, and he still feels like he generally cares about the people that he's helping. Mm-hmm. Whereas Amanda Waller will literally just like sell you up the river and blow you up after she's done with you.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I can't <laughs> wait for the Suicide Squad. <laughs> But yeah, you know, like, and that's the thing. There's always a character like this. I, I mean, um, you know, Lor, Lawrence Fishburne, I think was Lawrence Fishburne was that guy in in Mission Impossible. Um, I'm trying to remember who Jason Bourne's handler was in those series. But um, yeah, like, you always have that type of character that that um, end justifies the means guy, mm-hmm. and that is definitely what Nick Fury is in is in this film, right? Um. So yeah, uh, Alexander Pierce he uh, he essentially spins this story that uh, that Nick Fury's trying to was trying to shut down Insight. Uh, so he actually pushes up the launch, and he believes that cat or you know he 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 creates this narrative that Captain America was working with Fury to stop Project Insight, which ends up turning him into public enemy number one uh Shield and and Strike Team try to take out uh Captain America while he's at the Triskelion, which is kind of like Shields like on the ground base, right? Uh we get that awesome fight scene where Captain America takes on like twelve dudes in the in the uh elevator. Mm-hmm. Uh he ends up uh fighting his way out. Uh he escapes on his motorcycle and he's able to touch base with uh, Natasha. Where they're, we together. They, you know, we get this cool like undercover scene where they go to the mall and they try to hide in plain sight, and they end up finding out the the this bunker, right? This bunker. Yeah, where... I, the
0: Apple Store scene. I think it's particularly because it's in a mall and stuff like that. Like, mm-hmm. I, it it makes me think of like something out of Tarantino for some reason. Really? <laughs> well, I think Jackie Brown particularly. There's so much of that movie that's spent with like uh, Pam Greer and Michael Forster's character, like just sitting in a Mm -hmm. food court (laughs) that just like to see like these two like main characters, like working together, like at a random store in the mall and and kind of like trying to sneak in and out, like without being like, you know, seen by authorities and stuff like that. There's something Mm -hmm. that feels a little Jackie Brown about it to me.
1: (laughs) I can see that. And it's really funny because it's like, it's funny because these two characters are super self-serious right Mm -hmm. yeah captain america the super soldier this movie's
0: self-serious this movie does it it does it it, i feel like it strikes such a excellent balance between like the marvel stuff that everyone likes which is like the kind of campiness and goofiness of it all but it feels so like 70s at the same time like to me (laughs)
1: no that's yeah like that that's kind of what i was getting at like it does find a good balance of being these like having these self-serious characters and it finds ways for them to be goofy without ever actually like compromising who that character is or being anything different right Mm -hmm. like yeah like the scene where that where where uh black widow's like oh yeah she goes kiss me because uh public displays of affection make people uncomfortable and i try to avoid eye contact it's like it makes you laugh but it makes you laugh because oh Black Widow's a super spy who's like this is her job it's to hide in plain sight of course she would know and would do something goofy like that right so uh they end up escaping from the strike team who is uh looking for them in this mall and they end up uh working their way over to a shield bunker in New Jersey where they find out that And this is true. I don't, I don't think we're whistleblowers. (laughs) I don't think we should be at this point in in our history. I don't think we should be uh, blowing people's minds when we say operation paperclip was real and it was a thing. And if it wasn't for Nazi scientists, we would never have made it to the moon here in the U.S. (laughs) But essentially, I really like that. I really like the fact that this movie is able to take something of, with historical context and blend it into the story, right?
0: Well, that uh-huh. and then and if you watch First Avenger, like Hydra in First Avenger and Red Skull and all that kind of stuff, it was it felt like a step too far to me. Like, it, like you know, like in terms of just like how like overt it was, you know, like we actually had Red Skull with a Red Skull. We actually had Hydra, which was like this faux Nazi organization and stuff. And, and you're, it,
1: you're like, no one could ever be that possibly <laughs> stupid and nerdy. And then you learn about the
0: actual Nazis, and you're like, oh, they were that stupid and nerdy. <laughs> well, no, I think the thing is, like, it's. I feel like what this movie does is it takes it takes that kind of stuff, and it grounds it in a more in more of a reality. And, and I mm-hmm. think that's what I mean. And. And much like we're going to go back to Batman and stuff like that. Like I feel like that's, I feel like that's, <laughs> that's this movie like this. does, this movie does, and, and I mean it in the best possible way because I actually really love this movie. It kind of does what Dark Knight does. It takes some of the fantastical elements of the movie before it, you know, like the original movie in the franchise, and then like it it, it brings it down to much more of a grounded like street level and it feels more like the world that you're living in.
1: Well, I'm totally okay with my Nazis being really stupid and <laughs> over the top and grandiose because the thing is, I mean, I don't know. I don't want to turn this into like, uh, into how much Javi knows about Nazis and the occult because then that's going to lead us down another rabbit hole. <laughs> so I don't want to get
0: lost in the weeds, but I'll put it this way. I've seen enough of those kind of movies with like zombie Nazis or like that kind of shit. Like I've seen enough of that schlocky stuff that I, 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 this movie is doing a much better job at like taking those characters and taking a character that I really thought was super ridiculous in, in Zola, right? Like I thought he was much more ridiculous in, in, in the first Avenger. I, they take him and they turn him into essentially an AI.
1: <laughs> yeah. So pretty much um, Arnim Zola, if you remember from first Avenger, is the reason why the red skull has these like super advanced weapons. So after, uh, you know, in the end of World War II, uh, Operation Paperclip, the uh, United States, well, I mean, the Allies, essentially what they did is they divvied up all these Nazi super scientists, and they uh, claimed them for different projects. Armin Zola was taken uh, by the United States so that, he, well, technically it was S.H.I.E.L.D., <laughs> but I think originally it was like the OSS. But point is, it's like the S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, Shield ends up picking up Armin Zola, and he ends up creating an algorithm that can actually um, map out people's, like, tendencies, right? It's, like, uh, be, it, it, essentially what he's trying to do is find out um, how much of a risk people pose to uh, the uh, authority figures in the world. Mm-hmm. So the entire time, like, while while S.H.I.E.L.D. thought they were the ones in control, Arnim Zola's actually been uh, working in conjunction with all these other nazi scientists slowly take over shield and create this splinter group of hydra that is um then is essentially growing and working on this project
0: so it's essentially a parasite that grew on top of shield
1: almost like you know our actual cia but that's neither here nor there
0: yeah
1: (laughs) but so essentially um So now that Hydra is, uh, they push for Project Insight, and we find out that essentially Project Insight is the plan for these three helicarriers that have uh, the most high-tech and weapons that can take out anybody and anywhere on the planet within something like 15 minutes of a button press or something like that. Um, They're going to use it. With Arnim Zola's uh, algorithm to uh, find out who are the dissidents, and so that way they can eliminate anybody before they become a problem. Uh, The other big thing that we find out is that uh, Hydra, working in conjunction with Shield, has actually been working on destabilizing the world, and have essentially uh, been—they've been responsible for every conflict post world war 2 in the 20th century
0: which i'm totally fine going with because let's be clear the us has uh, it, it's responsible for a lot of global atrocities in the last y- in the years following world war 2 world war 2 ended with an atrocity like it, it, it ended with the dropping of the atomic bomb which is like you know one of the most cruel things that have ever that has ever happened in the history of this planet like you know, from one person to another, from one country to another. And um, the other thing too, is like, I, I think that this where it really resonates with the world that we're living in right now also is the fact that, you know, when I look at this, I really do think of facial recognition software and stuff that already exists, right? Like everything that we do post Patriot Act, like on the internet, the books we check out in the library, like everything that we do is, looked at by government agents it is ran through governments because of post 9-11 right and this we're already talking like 20 years after 9-11 and you know these kinds of things have essentially changed the way that we live our lives and and it it is it it, for as devastating as 9-11 was it almost was like a catalyst for you know tech companies and weapons manufacturers to essentially over militarize the entire world <laughs> and uh fuck you, know, you
1: halliburton you son's of bitch
0: <laughs> well the other thing too is like and what i mean by facial recognition software is you know it's it's scary stuff right like a lot of the stuff that's done with facial recognition it already exists right there's cameras mm-hmm. all over major american cities they're able to do run facial recognition based off of like, you know, any satellite image that's taken of you uh, anywhere. And the thing that's dangerous, that's a little dangerous about, you know, the AI or the algorithms and stuff like algorithms that are created by, (laughs) by let's, let's, let's say it how it is. A lot of these algorithms and facial recognition software, facial recognition software is racist. Mm-hmm. And, and uh it, it's it's just a fact like it it has a much higher rate for error on people who are non white than it does for people who are white, <laughs> and likely because the people who have developed it for these firms are probably white people i don't know right, but there's just you know one of the few good things that's come out of this covid world that we're living in now where everyone's wearing masks is it actually will make it harder for facial recognition to be run on us if all of us are just covering you know half of our face most of the time (laughs) just a heads up
1: for anybody that this might help in the future uh juggalo makeup actually fucks up facial recognition software and is unable to be read uh the same thing with sting makeup if you want to go as sting from (laughs) from wcw so I'm just saying if we ever Have to fight the new world order We're all gonna do it as Juggalos Alright like I'm I'm saying it Right now so we're all in agreement So I'm not the only one showing up In Juggalo face paint during like You know the final battle like in Endgame Really nothing I was expecting you to be like hey fuck you Or something No I'm fine <laughs> <laughs> but Armin Zola gives probably one of the craziest, like truest lines as far as like 21st century like US politics and whatnot. Or just kind of like en- enca- encapsulates with kind of what we're going through, right? Where he says oh, we destabilized the world so much that people willingly gave up their freedom for security. And especially in times right now, when there's so many of you crazy ass fucking conspiracy theorists. <laughs> It's, it's like the, the the you know like people would I mean I honestly think I can make the plot to winter soldier go viral and people would believe me that it's like an actual thing but it does it does hit a really important point is that here in the US we're all about our privacy and our personal freedoms and whatnot right but we don't realize how much we've already given up just for the sake of security right like how much information we willingly give every day, just for going on Twitter or Facebook or IG or buying on Amazon or just Googling something. Like we willingly give up so much information for like, for the idea that things are going to be secure and it's going to be easy. That we just make it easier for our you know corporate and government overlords to just kind of like keep us in check. It, it, it's freaking bananas how how relevant the Winter Soldier is to our lives in 2020. I never thought that like, this would be the most realistic superhero movie I've ever seen.
0: It is. No, it is. And that's what I mean. It's like, I, I feel like going back to this movie and seeing it, I didn't, I did not fully appreciate it the way I should have when it first came out. And I'm very glad that I'm watching it now so that I can give it the love and affection that it deserves.
1: Oh, yeah. So once Arnim Zola kind of gives his big evil bad guy speech, uh, we find out that he's been stalling because uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. already knows where where, uh, Captain America and Black Widow are, sending kind of like a cruise missile to destroy the bunker. Captain America is able to save uh, Black Widow by jumping on top of her and protecting her from the explosion with the S.H.I.E.L.D. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm like, yeah, sure, whatever. Like, I'm, I'm all for it. I'm all for Captain America doing stupid shit like this. Uh, after they end up escaping, they make their way over to Sam Wilson, um, and we find out that he he mentioned earlier that he the, what got him out of combat was he lost um, he he lost the guy he used to fly with. Right? That was those were the ambiguous words he used uh l- making steve rogers assume that oh he was a pilot in the u.s air force turns out sam wilson aka the falcon <laughs> flies around in these fucking rat ass jet pack with wings <laughs> and that's actually what he was flying with so uh falcon helps uh captain america and black widow uh try to get a hold of shield agent Jasper Sitwell and he's kind of like the number 2 guy at shield that is handling the rollout of project insight um, he's the big hydra mole so when they they go to try to they 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 go to try to to get him so that they can uh stop project insight from um essentially coming uh coming true and then we you know this leads to bucky or i mean not bucky sorry winter soldier fucking spoilers (laughs) but this leads to the second uh winter soldier fight oh my god that freeway fight scene was bonkers dude like i thought it was fantastic
0: yeah Um, the the stuff in in the car scenes like in this movie are great (laughs) like it, it is a awesome chase uh I did for completely forgot about this movie like th- this, this scene in this movie so it was an awesome like bonus for me and also it's been a long time since we've seen the Winter Soldier so hey the guy who the movie's named after is finally back all of a sudden <laughs>
1: <laughs> you're like oh yeah he's a thing I forgot so uh, Captain America and his team are attacked by the Winter Soldier and the rest of the strike team um, you know they have this extended fight where he comes after, uh, where he come, where uh, Winter Soldier comes after Black Widow, she ends up knocking his face mask off, and uh, we get the big reveal. Captain America sees his face and recognizes him as his friend James Buchanan Barnes or Bucky, right? And he, and we get that scene where Captain America, and this is lifted straight from the comic book, which I love. Where he goes, Bucky? Question mark? And Bucky just responds, "Who the hell is Bucky?" I was like, oh my God, they did it! And I, I remember being in the movie theater and me being the only person that marked out to that because no one knew, like, <laughs> no one knew about that scene. Um, so I believe here they apprehend, the, they apprehend our heroes and uh, they drive them out to a kind of undisclosed location. Uh, originally Strike Team was going to kill them Right then and there However you know we find out there's a lot of police And there's a lot of uh, There's a lot of uh, news vans So they try to drive them out To somewhere where they can off them uh, Our heroes end up escaping Because apparently everyone has these weird, like, laser drills that can cut through concrete.
0: <laughs> fucking awesome. I feel like it's, like, this is literally something that you and I would make up, like, if we were driving in traffic. I mean, like, wouldn't it be fucking awesome to just have a laser drill <laughs> to <laughs> get we could just traffic?
1: Just so we get the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Maria Hill is shown to be, uh, she's uh, undercover. She was pretending to be one of the uh, cops that apprehended them. She helps them escape. And then we get the big reveal. Another big reveal because this movie's all cloak and dagger and shit that Nick Fury didn't actually die. And he's actually been coordinating a counterattack against uh, Hydra the whole time with the few uh, shield agents that are left under his command. So together they come up with this plan to use uh, data disks that they're going to, implant in all the helicarriers that are going to be rolled out as part of Project InSight. And the plan is that the helicarriers are going to, instead of target uh, different individuals all over the Eastern Seaboard, they're actually going to target each other and destroy each other uh, before they can even leave the Triskelion. So that's, you know, our big, that leads up to our big, um, climactic like final battle scene right which i think takes like a good 20 25 minutes um i mean also we 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 find out that alexander pierce uh, has actually been the handler for uh for bucky we get some scenes where bucky is we see that they they don't have nearly as much control over him and that steve is actually able to uh kind of jog some memories for him and as a result, um, you know, it kinda it kinda messes with the weird programming. Um yeah, we haven't really talked about the winter soldier, because his kind of backstory in the comics is pretty crazy. Like, do you know it? Do you know like do you know his backstory?
0: Like I said, all I knew was that Bucky was one of the static characters in the static Captain America cartoon that I was watching. <laughs>
1: Well, boy, howdy. I'll try to make this as quick as possible. But essentially, like, so after after World War II, um, Bucky, well, Bucky gets picked up after, uh, after Captain America and, and his last mission, right? He ends up getting picked up by the Soviets, and he's outfitted, like, he's missing his arm, so they outfit him with the robot arm. And essentially, because he's an American... They use like brainwashing and implant and they break him down using like different psychological techniques so that uh, they can use him as a sleeper cell agent and send him to assassinate people like in in foreign soils or, or on foreign soil. And because he he passes off as American, he was like the Soviets number one assassin to send uh, to kill people in the U.S., uh, the thing is, they would, what would fuck with him was that he would, uh, they would, they would put him into sleep, and just melt him out and then just use him for missions and then uh, wipe his mind and then put him in sleep again. And they did that again over the course of like 50 years. So he's kind of like Jason Todd. Oh my God, now I'm doing it. Doing it. Now I'm comparing everything to Batman. <laughs> But he's kind of like Jason Dodd in the sense that he his his brain gets fried because of that, and it makes him a lot more aggressive and violent uh, than than Bucky was when he was with uh, Captain America. Um, so yeah, we get we get our our giant climax scene. Uh, Captain America gives this speech uh, when he gets onto the helicarrier. Uh, talking about how S.H.I.E.L.D. has been compromised and no one, you know, we don't know who to trust, but that he'll be, you know, he essentially tells everybody what he's going to do and if anyone wants to help him, then by, uh, by all means, please do. Um, which leads to this cool standoff between S.H.I.E.L.D. and Strike Team. And just from there, it all takes place. Like, you know, we get a lot of action going on in different places, but I guess the big thing we all want to talk about is the awesome fight scene between um between Bucky and uh Captain America when they're on the helicarrier right and it's freaking brutal like these guys are just start punching each other (laughs) they're just like they're just knocking the shit out of each other and as the you know as as the fight goes on um or actually wasn't during the fight scene but we do get some flashbacks between uh Bucky and 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 Steve that kind of like reminds you of what their relationship was like where it was always like it was always that Bucky looked out for Steve because Steve was such a small and frail child when they were growing up um so to have to like confront this character that meant so much for him that like was a brother to him um you know like they the, they play a lot with with this dynamic to really like tug on your heartstrings right um like the like this like the scene after captain america puts the data disk in and the the helicarriers start blowing each other up um you know we we have that scene where um where bucky just starts punching the shit out of captain america and his face is all messed up he's bleeding And he gives him that line that uh, Bucky gave him earlier in the movie where he says, I'm with you till the end of the line. And you're just like, no, Cap! (laughs) Like, there's that certain point where he just says, I'm not going to fight you anymore because you're my friend. And just the entire time just really makes you really, really feel for him. Mm -hmm. Um, And somehow it works. He's He's able to kind of break through the programming. And for some reason, Winter Soldier saves him. Uh, as the helicarrier goes crashing
0: into the potomac this is an excellent like it's an excellent like final you know action scene to this movie it really is and and i think it drives home what we were talking about right like how is it that you can take the most goody two shoes you know character in a series and make him relatable and that's you know the fact that you are literally making him a guy who would just much rather die than to compromise like you know what he feels and you know either killing bucky or leaving bucky to die Mm -hmm. that's what makes him
1: so different than all the other characters he's just a guy with his word and he's never gonna back down from that right
0: yeah it's literally like god whoever does superman next because obviously henry cavill's not gonna do it like this is what you're supposed to do like you're supposed to try to make him more relatable and I it just for some reason they never get it. Uh only Christopher Reed, like only Richard Donner got it right once in seventy eight and it became a blueprint, right? Like for this. Mm-hmm. But it's just like this is it. This is how you do it.
1: <laughs> yep. And you know, they take that one emotion and really hammer it home. <laughs> And while it may feel ham-fisted with other characters, it feels okay when you already have a hammy character like Captain America, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So they end up... uh, They end up... Or, I'm sorry, the helicarrier ends up crashing into the Potomac. They're able to save... um, Bucky saves uh, Captain America, and he ends up disappearing after that. Um, And from there... Uh, from there that's where
0: that's where Steve wakes up in the hospital and he, you hear the troubled man playing. Uh, that's bringing right. Bringing it all the way Thank back from the beginning. Uh he says on your left to Falcon. Uh you realize that Cap and Falcon are now gonna go off and have their own adventures. Uh Natasha ends up having to go be- before Congress or something. Yeah, and, uh, she's got some explaining to do <laughs> for uploading all the, you know, secrets of shield onto the internet and basically exposing the fact that they got infiltrated by hydra holy she... shit i forgot that was a whole plot point too was that she exposed <laughs> all of S- shield secrets yeah it's a it's a huge part of it right like that's the only reason why they are not in prison after this mm-hmm. <laughs> um and, and even she... th- even when they try to tell her you know like because of her past like she even talks to steve about it is like you know she had a crazy past where she was former kgb and then you know thinks she's basically like dealing with her own like feelings about the fact that she went from one shadow like evil organization to another
1: (laughs) you know this is where the this is where um the timeline in marvel gets super screwy because this takes this is supposed to take place um modern day so in 2014 right mhm so the idea is that the berlin wall fell what 1991 so the soviet union fell back in like 90 1991 so it's like, yeah, she was a KGB agent, but she was a KGB agent when she was like, I don't know, fucking like eight years old. <laughs> you know, like that's where it gets super. That's where mm. I hate the D, like the MCU in that sense because the timeline does get super screwy. Mm. But it's one of those things that, as a fan, you're just like, eh, whatever. It, yeah. I'm I'm watching a man who was in ice for sixty years punch a robot. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like it is what it is um and you know she she doubles down and she gives like that um she gives that uh spy speech where it's like yeah you you know talking to the members of congress saying that you you we may have been the ones to ruin the world or we may may have been the ones to put make the world what it is we're also the only ones that can save it now um and it's it's one of those things where it's like you don't you don't know
0: whether these superheroes are the good guys or the bad guys anymore. no and that's that's what i like i like that stuff like steve is going to go like basically off the like all of our main characters are going to go off the grid now and it, it, again very dark night like dark night one of the, the reasons why i like the ending of that movie so much is it changes the rules like you know it's like normally you always think of batman like working with the police department uh, going to catch the next villain of the week and stuff like that. And that movie doesn't do that. That movie tells you, hey, in order to get the goal of saving the city accomplished, like we all have to make sacrifices. And I feel mm-hmm. like that is what happens here. Uh, they sacrifice the, you know, the confidentiality of a lot of the stuff that they had in shield uh, for the greater good. You're exposing this splinter organization that's inside of it you're essentially you're rebranding them as heroes whereas like i feel like much of this movie it feels like shield is less of an actual hero organization and more of you know like if i like them i'd be more of a bootlicker than anything
1: (laughs) (laughs) but it's like fury goes off to europe and he's gonna he's pretty much on his way he's going uh nazi hunting so he's going uh he's going to Europe to find other Hydra cells so he can kill them off pretty much. Um he asks Sam and uh Captain America if they want to join him or he asks Falcon and Captain America. Um both of them tell him that or both of them decline saying that they're better as soldiers and they are spies. Um and I think it would yeah, Romanoff just you know, she tells you know, she thanks him and she Uh, tells him about how she kind of has to discover who she's gonna be right Mm -hmm. and i think you're right i think that is a really good way of putting it is that this film helps these characters the ones that are so tied to shield rebrand from being shield to being actual avengers you know right like Mm -hmm. this at this point avengers is no longer a shield initiative right because even maria
0: like maria leaves shield and she's like interviewing with stark industries after this <laughs> that's
1: right yeah i forgot about that she even she's going to Stark.
0: It, it's a transition it's the transition from the old world that they were living in like the pre-superhero world you know it is the post avengers incident in new york world but it's not the post avengers like we're in a world with superheroes now mm-hmm. as it is after this this is true,
1: yeah. So it 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 feels like this really is the end of an era of like those small self-contained super superhero stories, because I think from here on out, it's like there's from, a lot of crossover. From here on out,
0: everything is leading up to Endgame. Yeah, <laughs> like there is this, like it, it's it goes into well, actually, well from not Civil really, War
1: on. Yeah, Civil War this, on because Age of is Ultron, thing, like yeah.
0: is, is going to be very self-contained.
1: This is taking us to Age of Ultron, and then from Civil War on, it is taking us to Endgame. Um, and I guess that's actually the mid-credit, or the after-credit scene, was that um, that we get uh, two test subjects. One kid has superhuman speed, the other one has telekinetic powers, mm-hmm. of course, alluding to Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch. Um... In that, the yeah, the the how in Hydra they are. Um Hydra was a big reason why there's so many metahumans now in the world.
0: Uh, uh, not metahumans. That is. That's DC. Is that a stuff. DC term?
1: <laughs> oh my god! I'm sorry. That just sounds like a way cooler term than fucking supers or whatever shit. <laughs> I don't know what fucking Marvel calls their,
0: their superhumans. Is it just superhuman? Yeah, superhumans or superheroes, and, and but X not and mutants. mutants. you yeah, no. could not <laughs> use mutants at this point. Absolutely not. <laughs> That's dumb. Whatever. <laughs> you know, but funny enough, I think. Well, this this movie, you know, uh, it it really is one of the best movies in a real good decade of movies. Like X Men: First Class came out in 2011, which I think is the best movie of that franchise. This movie was really freaking awesome. Uh, and, and I feel like all of them like had something political to say, right? Mm-hmm. Like I, First Class was a lot about like, it, it, it really felt like it was kind of digging into the roots of 60s X-Men, you know, where it was literally about like, you know, kind of like the black liberation movement in the 60s and 70s. Oh, no, where... like,
1: the X-Men was definitely a brainchild that, that was a result of the civil rights movement. Mm-hmm.
0: And this, and so this movie is also is just dealing with the general mistrust of, you know, authority and, you know, the world that we're living in post 9-11 and post Patriot Act. Mm-hmm. And funny enough, <laughs> I think even something like Batman and Vers- versus Superman, I swear to you, and I'm not the only person that's thought this. Like, I've read it in articles and stuff like that. That movie literally that movie feels like it's a parable for the 2016 presidential election where it was just two people that you do not like at all (laughs) going at it (laughs) for several hours um i like batman (laughs) (laughs) i don't you know funny enough i don't even know you know we'll talk about that i guess another time but i don't even know how much i like batman in that movie to be quite honest I think, well,
1: I think I'm also lonely looking back because he looks super like Dark Knight Returns. But. Oh, he does,
0: <laughs> but he's also very much kind of like a villain in that to me.
1: Uh, like if we're if we're
0: talking in terms of presidential election, <laughs> Batman in Batman v Superman is Donald Trump.
1: <gasps> How <laughs> dare you! <laughs>
0: All well, right, that, anyway.
1: that's the end for Captain America.
0: <laughs> All right,
1: the last thing you see is Batman. <laughs>
0: Donald Trump is Batman. <laughs> All right. Get welcome back. everybody. <laughs> <fan voice.
1: laughs>
0: All right, so uh, obviously I like, you know, Captain America Winter Soldier. I'm very glad that we came back to watching this movie again. And I feel like especially in a week like, you know, like we're at, like leading up to another presidential election and stuff, like it feels really just so like relevant to watch something like this. And I think that this is a movie that has largely gotten for, largely gotten forgotten because four years later, I think Black Panther kind of blows a lot of these other superhero movies out of the water. But I think this is every bit as good as Black Panther, every bit as good as Iron Man, and every bit as good as Dark Knight. Like, I think it's, it's so it's impressive to me. It's one of the best
1: MCU me. movies. I mean, like, it's probably
0: it's my, yeah, it's probably one of my favorites. Like, it really is. Um and you know what it does it for me?
1: Like the fact that yes, this is a superhero movie, but it's not a superhero story.
0: Right. It it felt it felt so much like either something it felt like rogue James Bond, and also (laughs) at the same time it kind of felt like Dirty Harry a little bit.
1: I was just gonna say it reminded me a lot of Mission Impossible. (laughs) I was not I was not ready for it to go that direction. But but yeah, like it's just one of those movies where this proves that you can take these characters, and you can tell more than just your standard Marvel formulaic, uh, three hero two or three three fight, um, two hour heroes journey crammed in like you know such a short amount of time, right? Mm-hmm. Like especially from two thousand eight when Iron Man starts to maybe about avengers so in like 2012 a lot of those movies do follow that very formulaic um the, well I formula i don't know why i, I talked myself into a circle there <laughs> like a jackass but uh you know follow, it follow yeah it becomes like very cut and dry it becomes very um predictable and then you know 2014 comes along and this movie like winter soldiers like no we're not going to do that there's no reason for us to do that you already know Captain America's um, his origin, and we're going to tell you a story where we're going to take these characters, ground them in a realistic situation, but it's still going to have all the fantasy and all the fun that comes with uh, the Marvel Universe. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and I mean, the, the acting jobs you got... Nick Fury being, I mean, Samuel Jackson being Nick Fury. Like, it's all, it's goofy, it's over the top at times, but it fits within the context of the story they're telling, right? Um, But yeah, I love this movie. I highly recommend it. I think anyone that is a Captain America fan, anyone that's an MCU fan, um, and if you're an espionage fan, if you love movies like, um, like the Bourne series, uh and you're not afraid of kind of embracing some of the more goofy things yeah by all means check this out this is a fantastic uh espionage movie
0: Mm-hmm. and you know you talk about sam jackson and stuff like that you know it's really funny and such a smart like thing that i only barely realized like watching it then like i i don't know why i focused on the Gravestone, like more than I ever have before. But do you ever notice, like, what it's actually uh referencing on the gravestone? Nah, what is it? So there's a Bible quote on it, and it's <laughs> <laughs> the path of the righteous man, Ezekiel <laughs> twenty-five seventeen. <2517. laughs> Shut the fuck up! Are you serious? <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> that's
0: awesome. Which, you know, for those of you who have no idea what we're talking about, that is the line that's like the passage that uh, Jules recites in Pulp Fiction.
1: And you know, what's funny is I don't even think that line, like, I don't think the passage he recites is real. Like supposedly it was made just for Pulp Fiction. Um, Because I've actually looked for, I don't know, or I don't know if it's like on a certain version of the Bible. Mm. Um, But yeah, that's just pretty funny. That's that's cool. (laughs)
0: Yeah. So anyway, we'd like to thank you guys for joining us for this movie this week. Uh, we will announce later in the week uh, what our movie next week is going to be. I think now that we are approaching the Halloween season, I think there will be horror movies to be watched that are going to be coming up again. And uh, yeah, like Javi and I have also noticed that just horror movies seem to be very popular among our audience. So Yeah, you little naughty <laughs> boys and girls really love the big scares. <laughs> so. We're gonna do as much as we can to to work them in and then also just not you know we just don't wanna be a horror podcast all the time as well so we'll, we'll we we'll gotta you guys... strike that we gotta strike a good balance here
1: we'll throw we'll throw y'all a couple bones where we'll watch some horror movies, but Nah, sometimes we're going to watch Winter Soldier, and that's just for
0: us. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, yeah, please continue uh, reviewing us on iTunes uh, and Apple Podcasts. Please download on Spotify, whatever your podcast platform is. Uh, Thank you for continuing to, you know, be our audience and listening to us and kind of getting the word out there. Our listenership seems to be rising a little bit right now, and I very much appreciate that both of us do and uh we hope you guys look forward to us providing more episodes so we'll talk to you guys next time later cuties wait